It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690 Red Eye, RedEyeRadioShow.com. We stream live, get our app, put it on your phone, listen whenever you want. Also, our Red Eye Radio app. Do that today. Well, do it now. 40 years ago, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Flanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Ah, yes. Uh, Miracle on ice 40 years ago uh, tomorrow. I pity anybody who doesn't remember it who's too young. Yeah. Because there will never, ever, uh, well, I won't say never, ever, but there will never in our lifetime be anything like that. Because it can't happen again. No. Because all of our professionals now are in the Olympics. And so to try to explain to anybody who wasn't there, I mean, maybe... Maybe you just play the maybe you just play the uh, the video of the game from the last from the last well the last period of that hockey game right um, you know a lot of a lot of people like to say that you know it's just a bunch of ragtag college kids actually they went through uh, I mean they went they went through almost what an entire six months of playing games they remember they played exhibition games all over the country mm-hmm. against other college teams and uh, I believe AAA teams. I don't know if they played any major league teams when they did that whole tour with Herb, Herb Brooks. But one of the reasons they did that is because they needed to raise money. It wasn't like today right, when you had right, right. corporate sponsorship. They had to you know, go around and nobody thought they had a chance because back then that's when the United States and the Olympics played our, uh, our amateurs and mm-hmm. they played their professionals. And so... For anybody who wasn't there to even think that the United States had a chance. Now, in basketball, it didn't matter. Our college people always kick butt. Yeah, right. Except yep. in 72, but we won't discuss that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we won't discuss that controversy. Okay, that controversy is now, uh, let me see, 48 years old. Yeah. Maybe I need to let that one pass. Yeah, right. Let that one go. But... Uh, uh, it just when you when it when it happened, it was so incredible, and there will never be in our lifetimes. Maybe someday there will be something that will be like that. But one of the reasons it was put as the top sports moment in a cent, you know, in in that century, was because nothing's ever matched that. Because every single American was rooting for the same team. Right. The other thing is nobody saw it. Well, except if you were there, nobody saw it live. Except maybe in the trailer of ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, it was not, they decided to think about this. And that this is the most unbelievable thing, is that the game started at, I think, 5 o'clock Eastern. And they just said, well, no, we want it on prime time, so we'll tape delay it and play it back at 8 o'clock. So <laughs> nobody saw the game live. People say, "Oh, it was great! I was so excited when they scored the goal." Well, you might have been excited, but you saw it. You saw it tape delayed. I was at work. I was working, I think, three to eleven shift, 
uh, Riley Gear in North Tonawanda, New York, on my internal grinder. And so we got in at 3 o'clock, and we knew the game was going to be there, and so we all had radios on, and so they were keeping you updated. I don't remember. I know there was a radio broadcast, but there was no radio broadcast that we were listening to. It's just the stations were telling you, you know, what the update of the score was. Right, right. And when it got to the, when it, you know, when it was three to two in the second period and, and everyone was like, okay, they're up three to two, you know, who knows? And when it, I'll never forget when it came across that, that it was three to three. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you just saw the plant just sort of stop. Mm-hmm. Three to three? You got to be kidding me. And people just crowding near the radios. And these are music stations or, you know, maybe music sports stations that kept cutting in and saying, okay, and they're, they're reading a teletype. Remember, mm. it was a t- 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 the mm-hmm. teletype thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, there was no internet, anything like that existed. And it went, when four to three, everybody just stopped working. They just stopped working and kept listening to the updates. So, okay, it's still, you know, because uh, it was coming across in the teletype like every minute. Right. United States still in the lead, still in the lead. I never forget when when we were told that they won. It was just everybody was you know cheering, but in disbelief. And then uh, that would have made it probably. I'm going to guess around seven thirty. So the real game was coming on at eight. Well, they actually had in the business office. They had a the that uh, all the machine shop was around. They had a TV, mm. and <laughs> you <laughs> management wasn't going to allow us to watch the entire game. <laughs> But during the last 10 minutes, everybody in, in the plant, and there was about 100 people in the plant, everybody was in that room watching the last 10 mm. minutes uh, uh, tape delay. And it was, you know, it was something that all of America got into. And then the, the best part was to win the gold medal because that game was a Friday night. They, the gold medal was early Sunday morning that they played because they had to beat Finland to win the gold medal. So we all saw that live. And mm. they, you know, were playing. I think uh, I, I know that I had seen the uh, the uh, uh, the replays they were playing on Saturday, so you got to see the majority uh, of the game. And then some people had, I keep saying DVR, but they had, uh, I don't know if it was VHS or whatever they did it on, yeah, but people VCR. had, yeah, yeah, VCR, people had recorded it uh, at that, you know, and, and so everybody was just, it was really one of the most incredible sports moments because it wasn't like, Okay, Kansas City, we're all happy. Our team won the Super Bowl today, but the rest of the country is like, that ah, was a good game, but eh. Mm-hmm. It was, everybody was into it. Right. And it was more than just a sporting event, too. It was, you know, it really was about the fact that, you know, they did the impossible and they beat the Russians. Mm. They beat the Soviets. Mm. So uh, Miracle on Ice uh, is, uh, I think, uh, gives you a pretty good idea of what it was like. Yeah. Except I still don't think that the arena that they played it in for the movie set the tone mm. as to how insane it actually was that mm-hmm. night when it happened mm. there in Lake Placid. So just a, a, a great, I mean, I just, you know, I always got to bring it up. I get, I when I just played that, I got the video in front of me playing the audio for everybody. I get goosebumps still today. It's yeah. if it happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And when you sit there and you think that was 40 years ago, um. And it, but it's still that moment, and it's one of those rare things that you can that you can just bring back, and forty years ago becomes right there. It's it's in the present. So, uh, and now all those guys are in their sixties. <laughs> Think of yeah, pretty incredible. Most of them are in their sixties. Pretty yeah. incredible. <clears throat> uh, later that year, Ronald Reagan elected. <clears throat> 
Yeah, Jimmy Carter was still president. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hostages, uh, you know, coming out of, uh, about 11 months yeah. later. Right. And I'll never forget when they, um, on the documentary that HBO did on Miracle on Ice, they had uh, a couple of the hostages talk about that was the greatest thing, was after being released, you know, after the hostages were released from Iran, is they the State Department put together a whole bunch of things that happened and they said the what the greatest thing that we saw afterwards, the best thing about getting out was watching that hockey game mm-hmm. and watching the Americans win. Because mm. it was such a huge moment. There's, and the thing is, if you're listening to me right now and you're 25 years old, you're like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you were there, it was just the best moment. It was the best sports patriotic moment you could possibly ever imagine. Yeah, it, it wasn't just an underdog story. No. You know, there are plenty of those right. in sports, but this was this was bigger. This I, was, I, 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 I have to wonder, I mean, you look at it, there was so much, um, so much pride in the U.S. Even after four years of, well, at that point, uh, <clears throat> roughly three years of Carter being president, because um, he was sworn in, of course, in 77, but... Mm-hmm. You you look at the that pride, and then Ronald Reagan becoming president, the hostages coming home, and it really kind of set a tone. It it set a a celebratory tone in the states. Not that people didn't hate Reagan. I mean, he was demonized, of mm-hmm. course. Oh yeah, yeah. But there was a celebratory tone. You know, the left wasn't what they are today. You know, they, the, uh, the whole, you know, fear that, uh, of the, of the Cold War and, and, uh, the U.S. versus Russia and, and all that. And in the end, what, what happened? Communism fell, you know, right there at the end of the eighties. But it was, I, I, I think it was kind of that, if you, if you think about it, the kickoff really of that celebratory tone almost party atmosphere that was the 80s. Well, you, but you, I've always thought about this, that it was, you know, that was the beginning of the 80s, which was impossible. You couldn't yeah. believe that that happened because there are underdog stories. Yeah. But, you know, people talk about, you know, the, if you've seen the movie Hoosiers, you know, that mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. But that was, they were all still high school age. Right. right there right. was a certain level of it, and maybe not, not talent, but experience that everybody's, this was completely out of, that it it is the biggest upset probably in sports ever except mm-hmm. as i've often said maybe maybe francis we may back in the early part of the the 20th century and was it 19 i forgot what year it was 1913 1914 winning the u.s open golf mm-hmm. tournament as an amateur but that was golf and it, it's still in the united states in its infancy but for a team sport there's nothing like this mm-hmm. nothing like this and at the end of that decade what was it Mm. and it came out of nowhere too Mm. people forget about this the you know the berlin wall coming down yeah the fall of communism and then the then the fall of communism a couple of years later the fall of the soviet union right which was you couldn't believe how fast it was happening well you did it was unreal in fact there were i think those of us that didn't trust it I don't know if it was because I was a mil- military brat or not. Um, 
but there were plenty that I think did it, it happened so fast it was it was almost too too much to believe that you didn't trust it. You thought something, when, you know, there's there's got to be something wrong here. There's got to be something we're not seeing. When the Berlin Wall was coming down, I'll never forget watching it on TV. And I was numb. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, people say, well, what were the thoughts? And, there, and I think you described it quite accurately. You were like, you were happy, but you couldn't really believe that it was happening. Right. Because if you grew up during the Cold War, and I've talked about this before. I remember going to sleep in the early 60s, and so I was only six, seven, eight years old in the mid-60s. And knowing you went to sleep, knowing, because you couldn't hide from it. Uh, duck and cover, all of that. Right. You knew. I remember thinking as a little child, wow, we could all be fried. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Going through the Soviet Union from the time that you can remember the Cold War all the way through the 80s, all, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and all of a sudden, in a flash, the Berlin Wall's coming down. Right, right. You're right. There was a sense of dis- it's happening, but I can't process it. And I'll never forget thinking and talking to a couple of people because I was in radio and talking to a couple of people, and I said, I just, I never. Th- the only thing I can say was I never thought I would see this happen in my lifetime. Right. I, I remember the day that President Reagan was shot. I, so do I. I was sitting in a classroom. I was sitting, actually, I was in an American history class. And I forget how we, well, the teacher came in. I forget how the teacher found out. Probably um, somebody, another teacher, but nonetheless told us that the news just came across that the president has been shot and he's in poor condition. And I remember thinking that has to be the Russians, you know, because that's wow. it, your, <laughs> yeah. your mindset is that, yeah. wow. it's you know, a great point. No, it, it's that great it, point. it's U.S. Yeah. against yeah. and that it has to be, you know, mm-hmm. a Russian agent or something. Mm-hmm. And it was I just I you sit there and you don't it's not like today. You know, you kids kids can pick up their phone and and Google something or get the news, the breaking news, right there, then and there. Anybody can, but I mean, a kid. Be, I was a kid in the classroom, so I couldn't leave the classroom. I couldn't leave school. I had to wait until I got home to find out more about what was going on. And I just remember thinking, this, you know, has to be the Russians, Russian involvement. I remember I was driving. I remember the road. I remember the town that I was driving in. It's funny, too, because you can also look at those benchmarks, too. It, it, people being assassinated. I know exactly where I was. Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, John Kennedy, you know, you, uh, John Lennon. I remember exactly where I was at, you know, at that point. But it's really amazing how you do uh, Reagan. Um, yeah. Those those uh, those moments in your life that your brain just sort of goes, OK, stop. Right. Stop. OK. Permanent file never goes away. Right. Robin, Robin, believe it or not, Robin Williams was one of those. Never forget where I, and maybe part of that was because what happened, because I was at a baseball game. I was at a baseball game in a stadium, a minor league baseball game in Buffalo, New York. And I went, oh no, Robin Williams is dead. I'm looking at my phone and it just spread. You could just see people go, what? And everybody's turning to one another from me saying it. 
in our entire section. And all of a sudden you could see other people seeing the same thing in other sections, just everybody turning their head, and the crowd just sort of got quiet, mm-hmm. like in a period of a minute. So yeah. those kind of things you just don't forget. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was and, and I thought to myself, I'm sitting there in, you know, in that classroom, and I'm thinking, we're going to war. You know, I mean, this yeah. is it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. First thing you, you first thing you think. Yeah, I'll never forget that where I was at that moment mm-hmm. in the car. All right, so there you are. Forty years just passes like that. Miracle yeah. on ice. Forty yeah. years ago tomorrow, Crazy. February twenty second, wow. nineteen eighty, wow. burned in my memory. Wow. Eight six, and, and it was the game of hockey. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> See, it should have been in golf. Eight six six ninety red eye. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, but the trick is to be proactive and not reactive. Conduct routine tire inspections and pay special attention to any unusual wear patterns. Once unusual tread wear is visible on a tire, its traction and stopping distance is reduced and its lifespan will likely be shortened. Stop into a TA truck service facility to learn more about the benefits of tire balancing and to take their new counteract balancing beads for a spin. This maintenance tip is brought to you by TA Truck Service. More bays, more expertise, more solutions. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RUD-EYE. You see the numbers are out for the uh, debate. Pretty big the, audience. The, the TV numbers. Yeah. Very, 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 very good. Um, I mean, what would be that draw, you think? The draw must have been Bloomberg's I think, first debate. I think part of the draw had to be, yeah, Bloomberg had to, had to be. I mean, it, that's You're, the only yep. thing. Yep. Man, you want that to be your first showing. Well, you and I Oy. talked about this. Some of the numbers around Christmas were horrible. They were down to six, six million. Remember, right, six, right. seven million. Right. And it was like, uh, you know, what? What is you know, Bloomberg's probably at the beginning was hoping. I hope we get a great audience here that I can inspire people. Well, the exact opposite happened. You know, you made some points about uh, him and how, uh, what he could have said, things he could have said about creating jobs. <coughs> Pardon me, and. The Wall Street uh, Journal editorial board kind of making, you know, uh, a couple of points, I think, on that, too. But creating jobs, um, because that's the route, the, the route that that I would have gone. You know how many families work uh, are are putting food on their table because of the companies that I started and other companies out there just right. like them. And how many went from earning you know, lower wages now working for me and have stayed with me and are getting raises, getting bonuses, and they're doing better. Their lives have improved.
Don't miss a moment. The podcast is always online and on your phone. RedEyeRadioShow.com and the Red Eye Radio app. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. <laughs> it's just funny. We were talking about Miracle on Ice. The mm. anniversary is uh, tomorrow, 40 years. <laughs> and, of course, we're getting the response. Who did Bernie root for? Yeah. <laughs> Terry sent us a meme, and it's got Bernie with a, you know, angry, disappointed look on his face because he's, he's rooting for USSR. I love it. That's funny. Thank you, Terry. Now, we and, appreciate that. And, of course, I got response saying, yeah, that was great because the 70s were so depressing. One thing I wanted to say, because I thought about this when I when I watched Miracle on Ice with Kurt Russell, the movie. Mm-hmm. Miracle, yeah. Uh, what did I say? It's, yeah, Miracle. I said mm-hmm. Miracle on Ice. Uh, uh, when, I, when I watched that movie, and it was like the beginning of it, especially about how depressing things were in yeah. the United States. Right. That it was horribly depressing, and everybody was depressed. And I've often thought, about that because when i saw that i went really mm. i went from high school to college to the workforce mm-hmm. M- uh most of in high school uh you know which would have been when i started working probably 72 73 all the way up to 80 i worked you know, I, I was a you know well first uh, you know the paper boy jan- you know janitor porter baker um uh, gas station attendant, by the way, during the time when it was all self-service, mm-hmm. or excuse me, all, when it was full service mm-hmm. and the lines were as long as possibly could be yeah, uh, because of government policy that, that was uh, that was wrong to, uh, to, to college, to working two jobs during college, to deciding whether to go into banking, then going into radio for a little bit, couldn't survive, couldn't make any money doing that, and then ended up with my college degree becoming a machinist, running lays and grinders and just... Every type of machine known to mankind by the time we got to Miracle on Ice in 1980. And it was uh, three years later, 83, that I got into radio and have not been out since, since 1983. Uh, I don't remember it as a depressing time. It wasn't depressing to me at all. Right. And I always thought it was interesting how that's been framed, that it was the most depressing time in history. My father's influence, I think everybody knows, I've talked about it enough, was huge on me. Mm-hmm. My father would tell me that I told you when I was fourteen, so it mm-hmm. wasn't even in the before the seventies started. You're going to have to be good at two or three or four different things to make it in the new economy. You're just going to have to be if you want security. Security comes from yourself. Mm-hmm. My father would say, "Ignore everything out there, just go do it." And if you go do it, and ignore everything out there. And he would say, "I was through the depression. I was through." You know, uh, uh, you know, world, you know, World War Two. I saw Tokyo after, you know, after World War Two and the firebombing and just Tokyo completely flat. I've seen human destruction. I've seen suffering. I've seen everything. And he said, you know, now we're we're going through the Cold War at that point. He said, that's got nothing to do with whether you succeed or not. I found all the work I wanted to work as an unskilled person for a significant period of that time. If you were willing to work hard, somebody was going to hire you. Sure. Yeah. Even during the the the, the worst times uh, out there. I had some great cars in the 70s. <laughs> I had wild times in the 70s. Mm. College times, as you said. And, you know, everybody was depressed. That was the disco era. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was depressed because there was there was disco music to begin yeah, with. Well, but, but, you didn't no. have to work at one for two weeks. <laughs> My hardest job ever. Exactly. Um, the, um, that, that whole idea, though. 
of and and because we can relate that to today. Yes. The people who stayed in bed for days. I know someone who knows someone who stayed in bed for days after Trump won. And and this is what I would say to that person. You, well. I would say to that person, it it's probably time and, and I'm not I'm not trying to make fun, but it's prob if you're at that point, it's probably time to see a professional. And I yeah. and I mean that right. in all right. seriousness and 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 in a very gentle tone here because that isn't right it to to have something like uh an election or your hatred or disappointment that she didn't win or whatever it is that's driving it it's probably time to talk to somebody and i you know you you look at that um the far left is going further left every day. By the time we get to 2030, a decade from now, will will you have certain far lefters who by then will be moderates <laughs> looking back at this period saying it was it was depressing because there's no way you can make that case. If you look at the period, I'm just talking about the three years so far and assuming that uh, his his next four terms go about the same way, <laughs> or five, whichever it's going to be. It is, it's it right now, except for the back and forth on social media, things are good. And during the Obama years, during the Clinton years, I didn't sit around. Now I wasn't. I disagreed with the policy. I took you know I took action as a voter. Uh, and then later as a talk show host. <laughs> but I, you know, those those things don't set my tone personally. They never have. And if you're at that point, it's honestly, if it's that bad that you would have to stay home in bed for days weeping, it's time to get some help. Well, when you when you look at the world the way the world was, and, and again, I, I'm just... Uh, relating the experiences I've had, I you know I, I can't imagine what it was like to uh, go through World War II, to go through the Depression, mm-hmm. as my parents did, and a lot of your parents did. Mm-hmm. Uh, going you know going through the Depression, then going through you know World War II, and and the fear of that, the initial fear because of the the unknown, the mm-hmm. average person out there, the access to news, the access to information, the great unknown at times because. Now there's not too much unknown because of instant communication. Mm-hmm. We find out a lot more, a lot, a, a lot quicker. But you think about that, then you think about when when I was, you know, my life, uh, the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, and the Cold War that existed at that time. Right. Um, I I uh, just barely remember uh, the um, Cuban Missile Crisis, mm. but it was a scary time. People were scared. Mm-hmm. They thought there could be that. They thought this could be the end, hmm. and because there was a great unknown as to how the Soviet Union would respond, we don't face those times today. We face terrorism, but we don't face that. But never affected my father's generation. They went out, they worked, they had families, they had fun, they lived full lives, mm-hmm. and they did everything. People are looking for any type of excuse possible, and so talking about Miracle on Ice and talking about some of the response I got already, which was, oh, the 70s were so depressing, we needed something to lift us up. I didn't need Miracle on Ice to lift me up. It was a great inspirational moment 
without question. But I was in no way depressed, and I understood even as a young person back then, as a high school student, especially when I got into college and after college, my first couple of years out of college, as I started to really observe what was going on, I realized, well, wait a minute, there is no existential threat that is that is uh, that we're facing here. A lot of things and a lot of problems we have are all man-made, and we can correct those, right? Even in this yeah. country, sure. And and we have corrected a lot of them, and others we have made worse. But they're all because of our own decisions. It isn't that things are completely and totally out of the control of human beings, and it never really has been that. But there have been a lot worse times. We live in the best time ever right now, yeah. as relative as to right. compared to other times. Yeah. And so if you've got people say, oh, Trump, and blah, 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 blah. Tr- Trump is nothing. He's a moderate. Right. Right. Well, when, I, when, I, when I say Trump is nothing, I mean Trump is not a threat to civilization and anybody who is doing that the reason that trump derangement syndrome came up is that the whole concept of it is because if you truly believe that if you're just not using that okay we really don't we really know that's not true hmm. uh but but uh you know we we're we're trying to really get our side you know to be concerned and we know that fear works if you're doing that it's wrong mm-hmm. but at least i can understand that okay you're still based in reality Right. If you really, truly believe that, you're delusional. Yeah. You have no concept or you are not able to process relativity, how we are relative to how we've been at other times in our history. Well, you know, I, I talked to my mom, uh, talked to her yesterday, but over the years, she's talked about during, uh, you know, the, the Great Depression that her parents, she was born in 38, so she doesn't remember much about that, but coming out of it. Of course, she does. Um, but even in the years after, you in in Texas, they traveled. My my grand, her father, my grandfather, they would travel everywhere looking for jobs, mostly in the oil fields. Um, he was a truck driver, uh, and then went to World War II. At the ripe old age, he was thirty eight when he enlisted. Thirty eight, and uh, he was. Um, a tank driver, um, uh, Battle of the Bulge, comes home and goes right back to work doing the same thing. And she talked about how they had to, you know, and there were these were more prosperous times, but you had to you had to go out and look for that work. They traveled quite a bit. They finally settled in in one small town in West Texas, and that became their home, where my grandmother lived for uh, uh, many years up until the last couple of years of her life, and. I, you know, I think about that attitude. Uh, you see it in play in the movie uh, The Cinder- uh, Cinderella Man. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it was, you go out, you show up, you... And that attitude stayed with... There's a picture of my grandparents in West Texas. They were younger, and it was the heart of the Depression. And they're smiling. They're dressed up. They look like they're going somewhere. I don't know where they were going. But... They're smiling because you just didn't even in that even in that era, you if you were working, if you were doing everything you could do to find that work, to get that work, not that people weren't suffering, but you you pushed through it. This is one thing that I found out about life. (laughs) Now that I'm a boomer, I can relate Mm. 
I can relate things about life, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I've attained wisdom Mm -hmm. and a little bit of arrogance. Uh, But growing up, when you're told that it's going to be hard, but go out and challenge it. And once you accept that it's going to be hard, and at times it's going to be really hard to make it, Mm. but you're told that you can do it, and get as long as you're willing to work hard, Mm -hmm. that you have the capability of doing it. By the time you get to be our age, you look back and you say, because you were set with that, you were given that mindset early on, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to work hard if you're going to want to make it. At times, it's going to be long hours. None of this, well, I'm going to work smart and not long. No, it takes both. Mm -hmm. You've got to do both, and you've got to work really, really hard that when you look back at it later in life, I actually look back in my life and say, was it as hard as I thought it was going to be? Hmm. Because yeah. it was just part of the culture that you were in. Right. You had accepted it, and then when you did it, you just said, oh, okay, it's no. Okay. Right. It's it's what you do. Yeah, you go, you show up. Right. And, I look, and I'm not saying that there aren't times that it isn't stressful and it isn't hard. Mm-hmm. Believe me, we're our business, but... If you listen to it, you may think, well, that's great. These guys just go on and yap and yap and yap and yap and yap. This can be a very, 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 very tough business. Mm-hmm. We are sort of reaping the rewards of what we've had to go through, you know, <laughs> over the last three decades of, of, yeah. of, of doing this. But right. it could, but still, it was, it was so much fun. And always in the back of my head, it was like, I can quit at any time. Mm-hmm. It's not the hard that I'm concerned with, how hard it is. It's the fact that I have this unlimited opportunity. Right. That's what I that's what I focused on. And when you focus on that, you look back and you go, yeah, at times it was hard, but you know something? It wasn't as hard as it could have been. Right. It wasn't as hard as maybe I thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. And that's it. And I'd rather have that mindset than the mindset of I'm fearful to do anything and there should be an easy way to do it. Right. And grow through life with that attitude where then I perceive that I'm always a victim. Because that's would, li- that's limiting. That is that's paralyzing. It would be. I'd yeah. hate to have that mindset. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Friday Radio, he is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye, as we get ready for the Nevada caucuses tomorrow. And the last poll with the Emerson poll out of Nevada shows uh, Sanders at 30. So he clearly is the leader in the last two polls. He's been a leader in all the polls, but Mm -hmm. he's a clear leader of 10 points plus in the last two polls in Nevada, which will give him momentum. Yeah, it will. Um, it will be interesting because a week from tomorrow then is South Carolina and then a few days after is Super Tuesday. Where does Bernie go after after Nevada to campaign? I mean, you make a stop in South Carolina? Make or a do stop, you move, yeah. You, you but you move on to Texas and California. You, you go to South Carolina because you want a presence in the South. Yes. It's not just about South Carolina. Right. Yes.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Pilot Flying J Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690 Red Eye. I'm Gary McNamara along with Eric Harley. In the news this morning, the pounding on Bloomberg or Bloom Doom, as I heard a lot uh, yesterday, continued from the Democrat candidates, including Elizabeth Warren. If he's not willing to remove those gags and let those women and maybe those men talk, then he is disqualified from being president of the United States. And Joe Biden. How can you run against Donald Trump? When you have, what is it, 10, 12, 14 NDAs? And we asked them last night, will you free up those women and say, it's okay, you can now talk? What did he say? He said, well, they don't want to. Just say, okay, let them make a decision to talk. Meanwhile, President Trump went after Joe. How about Sleepy Joe? How about his performance? (laughs) What, what? It's great to be. It's great to be with the great people of Ohio. Joe, Joe, you're in Iowa. You're in Iowa. Oh, uh, he did it five times. So far, I've never done it. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's like he's doing the Tonight Show every 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 rally. It really is. Oh, oh. you know, he just he just throws these things out. But they're, the people there are having a great time. You're getting a great act. You're getting a show. You're getting a show. <laughs> I mean, it's... I, he, uh, he is, he is, he is without question. Uh, I, I just thought about this. He is the first ever mm-hmm. president, well, okay, in modern history. Yeah. That has, I believe, come to the conclusion, look, it's not just about the serious issues. I got to be entertaining. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, I don't know that he was this entertaining all those years when he wasn't president. No, he wasn't. No. He wasn't this entertaining. No, he was not. (laughs) Well, I mean, did you hear what he said about Tom Steyer? You know, the other night at the Phoenix rally. Uh, last night, what you just heard was from Colorado Springs. Right. Um, he was at the Phoenix rally, and he goes after Tom Steyer. And he says, he goes, we call him, uh, uh, what, impeachment Steyer. You know, you spent $210 million, and you got 1% of the vote. How'd that work out for you, you jerk? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have more audio here since, since you brought that up. because. Okay. Uh, actually, impeach Obama came up. Oh, at the rally last yeah, night. Okay. All right, here we All go. Right. All right. We're defending your right to keep the doctor and to keep the plan of your choice. Remember, President Obama, twenty-eight times he said, "Keep your doctor, keep your plan. Keep your doctor, keep your plan. <laughs> keep your doctor, keep your plan." Right? It was a lie. We should impeach him. We should impeach him. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's great. 
you know, you 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 look at it, and and honestly, you you even if you're a liberal, I think right now you you have to laugh. You just have to laugh. No, they can't. There's no nah, well because nah, that and there's the difference in the mindset. There's the difference in the mindset. You're just you're just going to make yourself suffer because of one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, think about that. Well, but that's that's what they're into. Yeah, you know, we talked about that last hour about you know just going through. We we had a discussion that about Miracle on Ice, the hockey game against the Soviet Union, was forty you know forty years ago tomorrow, and and you know got the the usual comments. Well, things were so depressing in the seventies, and as I said, well, I grew up then, and it wasn't depressing to me. It's all how you look at it. There's always ways you can always you can always view yourself as a victim of something. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have now with the Democrats. They live for the victim mentality. And mm-hmm. so when you're a victim, the last thing you want to do is laugh. Yeah. You're not going to laugh at the person who you believe has made you a victim. And no. what better oppressor can you have if you uh, subscribe to victim mentality than Donald Trump? Right. Yeah. You can't have a better oppressor. Yeah, because he's everything. He's Hitler. He's evil. He's the Antichrist. You know, I thought about that yesterday. You know, because I did see a headline yesterday. Oh, where did I see it? Is Bloomberg Satan? <laughs> right. <laughs> and remember when people were remember on the left were calling Trump. I forgot about that one because when I saw that headline, I said, "Wait a minute." They used to call Trump the Antichrist. Trump must be the Antichrist. It is the end of the. It, it, it is the end of civilization. You're like, it's the guy at home alone. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Is is here's the mindset. Think about this. I hate Trump. He thinks he can control everything. So I'm voting for Bernie. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what you're getting from the left. He thinks he's the ruler of the world. He thinks he can control everything. I'm voting for Bernie. Here's here's my question, and there is no answer. Right. This is a question looking for an answer. Mm-hmm. How do? What do you do? Is it possible that when when this when my generation, the next generation, and the generation after, when we're all dead, mm-hmm. is there a possibility of somehow bringing back more critical thinking again to society? Hmm. You know, I was reading, uh, I was thinking it was Daniel Henniger talking about uh, 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 William Barr and, you know, the mania that goes on right now. So Barr didn't, this this was nothing. You know, the whole thing about the 1,000, 2,000 Justice Department officials. He goes, what kind of mania is that? You know, what what kind of, what is the, what, you only get to the point of mania or is there really mania, or is it just the prop? It's just it's just the propaganda being put out there that this mania exists. Because the only the only way you can have mania in this day and age about the current situation where we are in our lives in the society that we live in is you're delusional, right? Yeah, because exactly. if if you look at where we are today. As a, as a society, with all the good and all the bad, but with all the quality of life that we have today as compared to the last hundred years you can even go back. I mean, the improvement is so 
mind-boggling that anybody with just an ounce of critical thinking would say, thank God I live today. you got these people walking around with victim mentality complex and blaming everybody for their problems in life when all of their problems today, when you look at it, if somebody, my parents who grew up in the Depression would look at those people and say, what are you talking about? Every single one of your problems is self-inflicted. It's you. Mm-hmm. It's nobody else. Right. But this, uh, the our article from Daniel Henniger was, you know, the fact that the mania on Barr, and they go, look, Barr's old school. Barr doesn't play into. He goes, Trump, Trump does. Trump plays into the whole social media thing. He's used it as a very effective tool. Right. At times, it's not as effective. <laughs> but he's talking about Barr here. But he has used it though for the most part now, especially the last couple of years. I think he's become much more sophisticated in using social media. At times, I still think he goes too far and makes mistakes, mm-hmm. but he has learned to use it as an effective tool of communication with uh, with people. Uh, but Barr, because Barr is old school. Barr's just Barr's the kind of guy. Just look, I'm just trying to find out who's doing right, who's doing wrong. I'm trying to find out who's breaking the law. He's, and who's look, not. he's all about the job, and he's and he's making the case that Barr is. You can't make the case that that Barr is subservient to Trump. No. You no, can't make that no, case. No, you know Trump. If if Barr ends up on the same side of Trump, it's because Barr is looking at the law, right? And right. said, "Where's the abuse of power here?" Right. You know, where did the abuse of power happen? Now you have to throw the mania at Barr because Barr said, "I'm investigating the origins of Russian collusion." Right. Which, of course, should he be doing that when a country goes through a time where you accuse a president of being a traitor? And you go through the process of, as we all know, getting bogus FISA warrants. Mm-hmm. Is that something that the attorney general should investigate? Yes. Anybody who has any ounce of common sense and not afflicted with a TDS, that's acute, Trump derangement syndrome, mm-hmm. would say yes. But we live in a society that's full, as Henniger was saying, mania. It's just right. mania. It's right. just emotion. And every little drop of information that we get... The country is doomed. Mm-hmm. Now, we are doomed, but it really is uh, over the... Uh, see, I don't even freak out that we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't lay around well, all you, day freaking out you that, know, that we're doomed. But then again, you understand that life is finite, so that, of that, course that's you would freak out. Of course. Um, but it really is, honestly, um, you look at this, and, and we said it earlier, it bears repeating for those just tuning in. This president has been vetted over and over and over again. What you're seeing in the numbers at at these rallies is an indication in some of the breakdowns of who's showing up and why. And I think Brad Parscale's done a good job at, at, at putting that data together. I haven't seen any data from Colorado Springs, but the data from, from Phoenix was pretty incredible. Um, you get 26%, 26% out of 67,000 plus that showed up did not vote in 2016. That's that's pretty incredible. I, I think, and you started this this path tonight where you, you said this off the air first, mm-hmm. and I think then later on I brought it on the air because I think it's an important thing to mention over and over again because I think it's a, a just a great point or a great observation is and and then we both added to it, but you look at Russia collusion. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at the number one, the election. Yes. Then you look at Russia collusion, mm-hmm. and then you look at impeachment. Right. And what you have is the fact that 
in the mind of the public and of Trump supporters and of people that may have said, well, he's better than the other side. Mm -hmm. And maybe somebody who didn't even like him in 2016 but found him interesting is that to those people who are willing to listen, Trump's now been vetted three times. Yes. The election. Yes. Russia collusion. Yes. And impeachment. Mm -hmm. And they've looked at it and said, it's not Trump. It's it, it's not it's not him at all. I mean, think about think about that. Uh, this this has been uh, from day one when he announced. I mean, and keep in mind, in 2016, at this time, he was being vetted by just about everybody on the on the right and left. And then he went through that process. He wins. Russian collusion. That's a whole different type of vetting. Impeachment. Over and over again, a, a totally different type of, of vetting. And think about the, the nature of how it happened and how uh, when I spoke to John Radcliffe, was, who was on the um, uh, defense team for, for Trump and was also there at the White House the morning that they decided to release the transcript. And, and Mr. Radcliffe, Congressman Radcliffe from Texas, he confirmed my theory that the Democrats ran with that because they thought that that transcript would never see the light of day. Mm -hmm. And they had to follow through with it. But in that process, what did you get? Look at the, look at the witnesses they put up during the, the House process, right? And how they were just destroyed. And at the end of it, there was no quid pro quo. Look at the, Remember the bomb, bombshell. Well, it's going to be different testimony is going to come out than what came out uh, behind closed doors today. A huge bombshell, and, and it, it turned out what? No quid pro right. quo. Well, at the same time, then, that Trump was being vetted, eventually the other side... Yes, you the, made this point, yes. The, the other side has been vetted all along, right? and people have said, well, wait a minute, you guys haven't passed the vetting. Trump actually has, right? and we found out that what you accused Trump of doing, you actually did, and I think that that has solidified and actually expanded Trump's base of of uh, of support. Well, you think of uh, Nancy Pelosi has just gone off the charts crazy, saying things like, "No, he wasn't acquitted." You've you're you're just an idiot. Well, look at this. Trump's gone through three years of vetting and come out, and people have said he's not what you said you are. Right. Bloomberg couldn't handle one one debate, two hours, right, of being vetted, right, because everything he was vetted on, even though it came from Democrats, was on what factual things. Yes. And he couldn't pass the vetting on it. Well, and now he froze. they're going full on with the, you yes. know, because you heard it. Uh, they're going full on with these non-disclosure agreement things. Um, this is going to be a big deal. Elizabeth Warren actually going to the trouble of coming up with a contractual document yes. that that she said, I'm going to give this to Bloomberg that he can give to these women to sign. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh. And let them out of their non-disclosure agreements. They're going full bore. Yes. So we'll get to that and more coming up, plus the latest polls as we head into the Nevada caucuses tomorrow. That more on the way, 866-90-RED-EYE. The basic outlook for many farms look better than it did last year. But just slightly better. This from USDA's chief economist, Rob Johansson. He told the USDA's Outlook Forum Thursday. In 2020, we expect net farm income to rise slightly from 93.6 to $96.7 billion with higher cash receipts. But we also expect lower farm program payments 
and lower indemnities on normal weather. And higher farm sector debt, which is expected to climb up to $425 billion, which would be... Near its peak from the early 1980s. Johansson expects farmland values to hold steady or rise this year, which would help producers who own most of their farmland. However... In many places, farmers that are renting land are going to have a difficult time showing cash flow. Nonetheless, Johansson says in January, looking at the various polls and barometers of farmer sentiment, the January index hit a new record high. Indicating that farmers are very optimistic about the next six months. From Arlington, Virginia, Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. Uh, he's Eric. I'm Gary. Now, see, wasn't this nice? What? Democratic presidential candidate, Senator Elizabeth Warren, drafted a document uh, that her primary opponent, Mike Bloomberg, can sign to release his former employees from their nondisclosure agreements. Hmm. Uh, she said, so I used to teach contract law, and I thought it, I, I would make it easy. I wrote up a release and a covenant not to sue. And all that Mayor Bloomberg has to do now is to download it, I'll text it, sign it, and then the women or men will be free to speak and tell their own stories, Warren said. Isn't that nice of her? Yeah. I, mean, I, how, think, I think that's very generous. How generous to, to make things easy for Bloomberg. <laughs> Talk about cornering the guy. And that, that'll be relentless. That's not going to stop. Well, if he doesn't respond, yeah. she's going to make the offer when? Right. right. Next week. Of course. At the next debate. Yep. And have it in hand. I don't know. Are they allowed to carry documents like that um, on, on stage? I don't know that they are. I think that's against the rule. But but she can she, make the same. She point. can say she can make the point. I have it ready. It's here. I have it with me tonight. It's backstage. It's backstage ready for you or to agree to. We're ready to email it to you right now. Right. <laughs> And Biden's going on that, too, by the way. Here's your forecast. Finally, a break today from the rain in the southern U.S., but flooding conditions persist as rivers upstream begin to flow downward toward the Gulf. Communities can still be impacted by the risk of flooding for several days. The system providing those showers is still putting a few raindrops on I-95 from Jacksonville up to the lower Delmarva Peninsula. And we do have some snow in the eastern Carolinas, but that system, again, pushing offshore today and clearing out for a beautiful day across most of the country. In fact, the next big weather maker happens tomorrow with rain coming into the desert southwest and southern California. That'll put some light snow into Nevada, Utah, and Colorado. Clear and cold today in Dallas, high 49, 56 for Saturday. L.A., sunny and 73. Chicago, 38 today, warming to 49 tomorrow. A look at your national forecast from Red Eye Radio. I'm meteorologist John Trout.
Bona Show. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, so the latest polls for uh, Nevada out now, uh, the KLAS-TV Emerson poll, which uh, from what I can see is the last poll that's going to come out, which is uh, from, uh, let's see, it was uh, from the 19th and 20th. Okay. So uh, yesterday, and, and likely voters, Sanders 30, Buttigieg 17, Biden 16. Warren, 12, Steyer, 10, Klobuchar has 11 in that one. So dominant lead, Sanders by 13. The next closest poll was taken the 12th through the 15th. Right. And that was a bigger sample, and he was up. Sanders was up 35, uh, Warren, 16, Buttigieg, 15, Biden, 14, Hmm. Steyer, 10, Klobuchar, 9. So the last two polls in Nevada, 19 and 13. Now, of course, they have two votes outside of early voting. They've got two votes. So will, would Bernie pick up, for example, if Warren stays under 15, might some Warren votes go to Sanders and Sanders even increase it? And would Biden see, uh, well, it all depends. Biden was at, uh, has been polled in the last two polls at 14 and 16. And remember, in Iowa and New Hampshire, New Hampshire, I know especially, he pulled beneath what the last poll said he was going to do, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. So who knows? Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in New uh, in Nevada because whatever happens, that person, if Bernie wins, and if Bernie wins by five, six, seven points, whatever, that's going to be momentum going into South Carolina. Yes. Now, yeah. he may not win South Carolina because the last two polls has shown that uh, Biden is still up. Let me get the, let me see the last ones here. The last is the uh, Winthrop poll that just uh, came out for South Carolina. And uh, that was, it was a 10-day poll, though. Boy, things change so quickly, Mm -hmm. even a 10-day poll. You're like, no, you need to start doing two-day polls, maybe a one-day poll. But this is one from the 9th to the 19th. Again, likely voters. uh, And this is South Carolina. Biden with 24 Sanders with 19, Steyer with 15, the rest out of the running. Warren 6, Buttigieg 7, Klobuchar 1, or excuse me, Klobuchar 5. The one before that was 212 to 218. And that one, Biden was up 23, Sanders 21, Steyer 13, Buttigieg 11, Warren 11, and Klobuchar 9. So those are the two latest polls that you have, which shows Biden in the lead, but if Sanders stays close and it's viewed as, as a tie, Sanders can come out of there. And that's why you were asking earlier, does Sanders go to South Carolina? I'm like, yeah, you got to. Well, I mean, like in the Winthrop poll where he's only behind, what, like five points, five or six points? Right. Um, you, uh, that's something where, again, you're looking to gain momentum in the South. Um, but it, remember in the UMass poll, which mm-hmm. was uh, actually... Uh, uh, two twelve to two eighteen, he was only two points behind within the margin of error. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sanders was well. He, if and and if he's gaining that kind of momentum, think about that. If he's really gaining that kind of momentum, man. If he takes South Carolina from Biden, and then takes Texas on Super Tuesday, a few days later, that. That's a huge wow. That's a massive uh, momentum building because it looks like, you know, the, the, 
the usual suspects, you know, California, <laughs> Illinois, he's actually polling very high. He's doing very well. But if he takes South Carolina from, from Biden, that is going to be a massive, massive deal. If Biden doesn't get a... Think about that. If Biden doesn't get a real win, if he doesn't get a win before Super Tuesday, and Bernie's just building that momentum and then gets the two biggest states on Super Tuesday, oh, wow. And the thing is, is Biden's not going anywhere. He's not going to drop out. But what do you do? You know, he's not building the delegates fast enough. Is, is the key to defeat Bloomberg... Uh, if that's Bernie Sanders, is the key that when Elizabeth Warren drops out to say she'll be my vice president and then pick up all of her delegates, pick up all of her support? Yeah, if, if she I, if she pulls up, let's say hypothetically, if Warren pulls out. Mm -hmm. Which after, could happen after Super Tuesday, you mean? Yeah, because she'll stay until Super Tuesday. Yeah. If she pulls out. Yeah, you know that we said. You know that you look at it and you're like, okay, um, what would be what would be her strategy at that point? Yeah, right. Is a strategy at that point? All right, let's let's uh, let's you know look. Sanders warn. That's mm -hmm. it. Because mm -hmm. Sanders, look if if Sanders believes he's going to win, and he truly believes, and he is stoked, he doesn't. I, he I don't think Sanders is going to say. I'm going to pick Hillary Clinton. No, 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 no. And it would be a natural choice, Warren. That would be the natural choice. Because it's it's likely that that her support... Woman. Would, would definitely, yes. It's likely her support would go to to him anyway. I mean, that's it's probably not going, going to go anywhere else. Um, but you talk about a... a you know, a natural fit, I would say yes. Because we were, we were, I was asking you off the air, if you're Warren, how do you attack Bernie? Quit going after billionaires? <laughs> what do you, what do you, you, there really is no attack, you know, toward a Bernie. This, I, con by I, the way, this but, conversation may have already happened. By the way, I was, I'm sorry, but I, when, as soon as, I don't know why, but as soon as I said that, this is just the thought that popped through my head mm -hmm. when I when I thought, "Wow, Sanders Warren." I thought Mondale Ferraro. Wow, running, yeah, running against Reagan. Yeah, I don't know why, but I that's, can't get the image that, of Ferraro I, I, crying. I, I just that just hit me. I yeah. don't know why. As soon as I said, because I, I, I was just my mind was just drifting and going, "Okay, yeah, uh, that would be the." As I, we were just analyzing, okay, what would be, and this is from earlier the the discussion we were having mm -hmm. that uh, the hill or politico would did had the story that look bloomberg's already going in saying you know look I, i'm already talking to all the different moderates they're not really moderates mm -hmm. and trying to convince them look we are the one to blunt sanders so i was just trying to think okay what does sanders do to blunt bloomberg okay warren because mm -hmm. if warren's pulling in if if it's anywhere you've got at least at that point you've got 30 percent Mm. Yeah, at that, I mean, you have covered the at that point. If you've got Warren and Sanders, you have completely covered. Have you not the liberal base, which is the AOC version? You've got it completely right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then, and then at that point, 
Sanders Sanders in the general campaign moderates and says Medicare for all who wish not to give up their private plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I'm just, again, just throwing stuff out. Well, this is better than speculating sports, I think. (laughs) Well, because, I mean, I, okay. (laughs) Is the party worried about that? Is the party worried that, while to us it looks like a natural fit, it should be someone who's more moderate. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the point of pairing somebody that's more moderate. For for me, looking at it, there's there's not going to be anybody. Uh, you know, think of Paul Ryan in in 2012 brought on board to give street cred, conservative street cred to Mitt Romney. It didn't make a difference. It didn't help. But ultimately, it turned out Paul Ryan you know, kind of faded off of the conservative uh, movement uh, after, you know, he yeah, left Yeah, who, who would have office. thought Romney would outlast Paul Ryan? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but I mean, there is no point to trying to moderate Bernie. They, they will tell you that Mike Pence was the conservative street cred for Donald Trump. Um, and for the, you know, if you if you think about it, uh, the uh, the religious base too as well, uh, but but the conservative street cred came from his Veep pick. I actually I I think that really wasn't a uh, as big of a part of it. Maybe it did. I I would have to go. You'd have to go do the research in each of those states where it, where it counted. But today it doesn't. I Let, mean the the president has his own street cred and it's it's a brand all his own. All right, but let's have some fun with this because remember right. it was even. As recently as maybe a year ago, remember mm. that uh, you know Pence maybe shouldn't stay. Right. So let's start the rumor. Mm-hmm. We'll start it here on the show. Trey Gowdy. No. Oh no. He's going to let go. Pence is not going to be his running mate. It's going to mm-hmm. be Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to start, uh, you're going to uh, start a rumor. Uh, start a good one. <laughs> oh man, that would give me a headache. <laughs> Forget about Trey Gowdy. Let's, oh. let's, let's make it a good one. Yeah. So that's what we just heard here. No, that's um, that's giving me a headache from the already. Red Eye no. Babylon B. No, 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 no section no, of the exactly. of the show. No, 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 no. Trump's dumping Pence, and it's going to no. be Giuliani. No, it's going to be Romney. It Trump. Would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Trump Romney, Romney is better. <laughs> That's oh even gosh. better. Yeah. Somebody would buy that one. Oh Nobody's going to buy it. It's going to be Giuliani, I don't yeah, think, but somebody right. would See, buy. Yeah, Romney, Trump go- Romney. <laughs> yeah, that goes back to that dinner. Remember the dinner they had? You know, and, when, when, when Romney needed the help of Trump. And the best thing that? is if Romney accepted it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be huge. Um, but. There is no, you know, getting back to the Democrats, there is no reason to try and moderate. You you got Bernie. There's no there, there's there's no pick that is going to help that situation. There isn't. No, I it's it's not going to be no, it's not going to be Mayor Pete. But I, I look, I think that he views himself as as an independent to begin with. He's just using the Democrat Party. Yeah. As, his, as his vessel to become president. Oh, yeah. He doesn't sure. care about the Democrats. No, no, no. He doesn't feel beholden to them. In fact, he feels probably betrayed 
after 2016. Right. And pre-betrayed <laughs> go, <laughs> right go, going going into this uh, right i mean he, yeah, he's sure. got to be looking at this going look the democrat party is they're not our friend mm-hmm. they've been working they worked against me in 2016 they're working against me now so he's going to pick the candidate that that i think uh he looked at and goes look warren helps solidify the liberal base of the democrat party that's where i'm strongest mm-hmm. And that's what I have to. That's what I have to solidify. Right. So Warren would, you know, Warren would be. I mean, it would be. I think it'd be disastrous for the election. But I'm not talking about any type of sane political thought. But then again, by what sane political thought is Bernie Sanders leading and gaining, still and, gaining, and, and and gaining in the Democrat Party? Right. Except for the brokered mm. convention. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Uh, hasn't been updated in what, about five hours, about five hours ago at 538.com. You had brokered convention at 42% chance, Bernie now at 35. And that means new polls were introduced and that, that data is figured into that forecast. Again, it's a forecast, not a poll, but that's brokered convention will be a mess for them because if it doesn't go to Bernie in the end of it, with Whoa. all the wheeling and dealing, yep. it is going to be a split. 866-90-RED-EYE. What's the difference between standard number two diesel and premium fuel? Ron Jessen is director of product management for Cenex, the makers of Cenex Roadmaster XL premium diesel fuel, and he fills us in. You may want to consider the, the total operational cost behind the price of the pump. If you look at the cost for replacement and you look at the cost of ongoing maintenance, unfortunately, those costs haven't gone down. They've actually continued to increase. But switching to a premium diesel fuel can uh, really result in some large operational savings with the fuel economy and reducing the equipment repair costs. Our fleet owners, if you want to consider trying a premium diesel fuel in the past, or if you have considered it in the past, now is really the time to take advantage of that with the lower diesel fuel prices to try out that premium diesel fuel. There are more than 1,450 Cenex locations in 19 states across the Midwest and Pacific Northwest. Visit Cenex.com to find a Cenex location and learn more. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, Nevada is tomorrow, and then as soon as that is uh, is done, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens because now everything over the next two weeks, you know this 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 could be it, and I mean it that you could have a nominee, which right now the odds don't say you will, or you you will have a know what the path is to the nomination, who has the best shot, or. We could be sitting here three weeks from today, going, "Hmm, okay, brokered convention." Right? Yeah, it's it looks be like brokered convention. Well, because after Super Tuesday, you have Dropout Wednesday. You know, <laughs> Klobuchar probably. Uh, you know, at least they'll they'll probably all stay, I guess, until Super Tuesday. But then Wednesday, you'll start hearing the the, the noise about Klobuchar. Does Mayor Pete go all the way through March after Super Tuesday? I think he does if he has the money. 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.